Matthew 20, verses 17, 18, and 19. Hear now the word of our God. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside. And on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you for your resilient love to serve the Father to the very end. And Lord, on our behalf, to do what was most necessary, the most crucial event in all of world history, to lay down your life for those whom you love. And now, Lord, as we read the scripture, may we see Christ in new greatness. May we see his character. May he see his resolve. May he see May we see his, his wisdom and goodness to us. And may we be a rejoicing people. Give you praise and worship by it. Open our ears and our hearts to receive all that you have for us in this passage. And we pray it through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The Gospel of Matthew has as an overarching theme the kingdom the kingdom of the Lord, the coming kingdom of his Christ. And you would expect that uh, the king of Israel would be one that would typify many, many things of the very best kings of Israel. And in this short passage, we see some of these aspects of greatness in the king of Israel. We see his persistence and following the will of God, even when it is most costly. We see his wisdom in understanding the will of God for Messiah. And he refers to himself as the son of man here, as the one who uh, the scriptures did anticipate, foretell the sufferings of the son of man and the subsequent glories that are to come. And so as we see something of Jesus here portrayed, it really behooves us to, again, love him for all that he is and serve him and praise him because he truly is the greatest, the greatest king. He is Messiah. The teaching here this morning is very simple. Jesus understood that he would suffer and die at the hands of evil men, according to the scriptures. But Jesus also knew, and he took great comfort in this, that he would rise again from the dead. But Jesus' disciples must also understand what Jesus knew in the gospel. Jesus understood, even as a man, as, he, as, the, as the cross approached, he understood that he would suffer extremely, and die at the hands of evil men, 
according to the scriptures. But Jesus also knew that he would rise again from the dead. And he would have that all that would follow him also understand this about him. There's just three points in today's sermon. A very simple sermon in many ways, but a very beautiful sermon. As Jesus reveals to his disciples intensively, not to the masses, but to those that would know him already more, most fully and would follow him most closely what is involved in his mission in the kingdom. The first point is that Jesus reveals and now discuss, discloses the close approach of the cross to his friends. He is now speaking of that which is uh, imminent. And he has already repeated this several times and he is reinforcing his earlier teaching. Of course, he knew many things, but he, went, he wanted to make sure, as far as it was humanly possible among them, that they, might, that they not under that may, they, they not misunderstand the mission uh, or forget his teaching, which he has already outlined in many other places, uh, but would repeat the same matter. It's no shame for a teacher to repeat himself. A good teacher will, uh, will use repetition uh, often in the classroom and even in the pulpit. Uh, and this is the way that the Holy Spirit knows how to best instruct his people because we are reluctant, sometimes slow, but especially when, when we see the implications to one that we love, we would rather shirk this and not retain the teaching. But this is the teaching, and this is the teaching that must be retained. Because Jesus' suffering now in this passage is close. It's closer than ever, and it is bearing down the shadow of the sufferings of Christ and his cross. Jesus reveals the close approach of the cross to his disciples to prepare them in advance for the public humiliation of their beloved leader. You know, when we have a favorite friend and he is either abused or he's not understood, he's laid aside, he's disgraced, it hurts. It hurts to see members of our family not uh, held in esteem and favor. And especially if they are very, very much humiliated and abused as Jesus was about to do. The, the background here has to be kept in mind because every Jew knew the Messiah was destined to triumph and rule. And not, and not only just marginally so, but, but overwhelmingly and, and gloriously so, so over all nations. Every Jew knew this. And so the coming events would be in severe contradiction to the greatest hope that they would all face, humiliation for Messiah. It, this was an extreme minority position, and it was, in a sense, unthinkable. It was even unthinkable to these disciples. They would shudder at the thought but my friends, the covenant of redemption that was inaugurated in eternity past between Father and Son with the Holy Spirit. This was a concord. This was a covenant and an agreement that required the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, now to become man, to become incarnate, as we celebrate this year's end. He becomes incarnate. 
And this would require that Son of Man to die and to uh, die on behalf of his own people. We'll see the scriptures here in a minute. And then to resurrect. And what God has decreed before all time uh, cannot be abrogated. It cannot, it, it will not change. This is the unchanging and unchangeable plan of God. The covenant is from all eternity, and so it is timeless, and it will sustain every assault of time and place. The covenant was made, the covenant of redemption was made between the Father and the Son, and it was made with a view to the glory of God the Father and the, the, the glory of God the Son uh, in offering himself an offering. Uh, and uh, the promise, as it were, if you, could, if you would want to say a promise, or even you might say that is a, in a sense the gospel that the Father gave his Son, is that if he would lay his life down, that he would see his offspring. It would not be a vain sacrifice. It would be efficacious. Yeah, there would be a result. The cause is the son's lying, laying down his life for his people. The effect is that his children will serve him. He will have spiritual children. He will, he will have a generation to serve him. And that would be to the glory of the son and his exaltation over his nation. The covenant in this covenant of, of redemption, the son was to offer himself freely a sinless offering of blood sacrifice, and he would see his generation. Now, Jesus reveals this close approach to the, of the cross uh, to his friends uh, to grant them courage, and they would need courage. Uh, this is not a, a vain, empty doctrine that needs to be embraced or believed. This is vital instruction in the face of adversaries, real political and deadly enemies. These enemies of Jesus would become enemies of Jesus' disciples. And it's always the case if we identify with a leader, well, we're going to follow the leader into whatever glories he experiences, but also into whatever sufferings, humiliations, and trials, they will need courage. And so the Lord Jesus is, as a, as a prophet, letting them know what is coming up, what is next. And so here they are. They're going to Jerusalem to the feast. Now they've gone to the feast at least two other times from the way I construct the Gospels. Uh, but this time in going to the feast, which was required of every male, Every Jewish male had to be at the feast. There were three feasts that were required attendance. The families could come along, and the women often attended as well, but the males needed to be there. They were going to the Jerusalem feast, but now this would be very dangerous. The authorities knew that Jesus was a pious Jew, and he had to be there. And so the snare is set, and here comes the bird. And not only is the bird coming, but the bird seems to be willing this is a very unusual thing for a man to do. Everything that is of instinct in human nature shirks this. But not only that, but the, the sixth commandments forbids us to be careless about our lives. So what is going on here? How could this be in any way 
compatible with Messiah and his victories. The adversaries are mentioned in this passage. They are the high priest. You couldn't have a worst enemy if you were a religious man. Think about it. Your whole career is hinging up on the opinion of someone that is absolutely dead set against you. And he's very influential, and this high priest has been politicized for at least two centuries. The high priest is against Jesus. The scribes, uh, with all of their authentication, uh, these are the ones that are, you might say today, licensed and ordained. They, they, they are proven to have knowledge of the scriptures in the eyes of not a few. And these men ho- handle the scriptures and read them publicly and teach them, and they have been brought up, and they know the scriptures. Some of them can quote very lengthy portions of scripture. They're held in high esteem. And when people with high esteem give their opinions, they will be listened to. And when those opinions are wrong, great, great harm can come about. Here they are, these formidable adversaries, and they're waiting for Jesus. They're powerful. They're influential. And they have a form of godliness. And this is what, this is what distinguishes Jesus' approach He's cutting away all apparent form and getting to the very heart of things. Because a man and a woman and even a child can can engage in many, many ceremonies, but not have a love for God and for his Christ at all. And he can be doing any number of readings and never understanding Their eyes have been closed. Their ears have been stuffed shut. Lest they see with their eyes and hear and turn and God would heal them. But Jesus understood this. He was a most wise prophet. And in this sense, he doesn't differ at all from the previous prophets. For they were all stoned, rejected, rebuked, spurned, killed, sawn in two. These who were highly respected saw no need for repentance, and they didn't listen to John the Baptist at the Jordan. They questioned about his authority. Who, by what authority are you doing these things? And they would not, they would not join and that washing onto repentance. They didn't listen to John, and so they weren't prepared. The Gospel of Matthew warns us, get ready, make a way, make every crooked path straight. The mountains are about to be flattened and the hills to be exalted. Where are you in this whole scheme? They didn't listen to John. They weren't prepared. They were caught flat-footed. And now the time has come. Jesus knows this. Enemies of Jesus, enemies of his gospel, enemies of God. Jesus reveals the close approach of the cross of the disciples to offer further proof of his divinity. He's showing his disciples 
that this prophecy is not going to fail, that Jesus would certainly, that he himself would certainly be condemned to die. Unjustly so. And I don't know, I'm sure if you've lived on this planet, this fallen world, any number of years, you know the agony, you know the bitterness of having uh, uh, something ruled against you, but not only ruled against you, uh, but being ruled against you unjustly. There's something about injustice when you suffer injustice. And when you see an innocent man suffer unjustly, you, it, you just want to gristle. It's, it, 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 is, it is everything against our spiritual instinct. The irony here, of course, is that Jesus is the very prince of life. And they are rejecting not Jesus, but, but life itself. And not only Messiah, but, but God's loveliest prince, the, the king of kings, the, the lord of lords, the man who taught as no one else would taught. You'd think that these learned men would love to hear Jesus' teaching and sit at his feet and learn from the master, the one who has all the spirit and all knowledge wiser than Solomon, and yet no. But his disciples would see that Jesus is right, that this was no surprise to the Son of Man. And this would be a comfort. This would blunt the force of the terrible, uh, the terrible shame, the terrible, the terrible suffering that Jesus' friends would experience when Jesus rested in his grave the three days. Again, Jesus here prophesies that he will certainly rise again from the dead. Now, we see here all manner of goodness in the Lord's approach. His concern for his flock, he still has concern for you. He's teaching you how to prepare for glory. He's teaching you how to prepare for glory uh, in the approaching shadow of crosses in your life and trials, in remaining faithful to the Lord as a witness, and in, in, in the further humiliation, as, as we, we, might even, we might even say, the, in a sense, prosaically, the, the continuing sufferings of, of the body of Christ as his church is humiliated in so many places in the world. His people are maligned. Christianity is defamed. Uh, it is mocked. Uh, it, it, especially in this highly secular age. Hated. But Jesus knows how to comfort his disciples. And the truth, the truth always helps us, my friends. We study these things because it's the truth that sets us free. A free person who knows his uh, certain destiny in love will endure all things, believe all things, hope all things. But Jesus lays this out. He is your pastor. Jesus is your teacher. Jesus is your shepherd. And above all, Jesus is your most wise, most holy, most righteous king. You, you need to pause and worship for his heroic, courageous stance and marvelous leadership in the church. The second point is not only does Jesus reveal the close approach of the cross to his disciples, but Jesus' disciples faithfully follow Jesus. Even in this time 
of great danger. His, his disciples, and at, at this point, Judas is even in, in the small circle of friends. Uh, they are, in a sense, right here, not to give man much boast and, and boast in the flesh, but they are to be commended for their courage because God is strengthening them in Christ to follow Jesus. And, and love for the Savior does this for us. We will do valiantly. We will do great things. Uh, the book of Daniel uh, speaks of the triumph of his saints in, in the face of persecution in the latter days. And this is part of their triumph. They follow Jesus in courage. They are to be commended for their loyalty to the Lord Jesus, their, their faithfulness. Uh, now Peter is going to be tried and sifted here uh, because when, when the trial is upon Peter, uh, Peter will shrink back. But even that works to his good and even that works to our good, knowing that the Lord will restore such a one if we have lapsed into cowardice in this great danger that we face. Jesus uh, knew that Peter would have a recovery. He said, now Peter, uh, when you recover, strengthen your, strengthen your brothers. And we need to be praying for one another. As we follow Jesus, we will uh, enter a time of, of danger and persecution in the world. Uh, and that's just the way that the Lord has ordained his church in all ages. But here we see that the, the, the disciples, although faithful, would have been much more cheerful had they understood the full mission of Jesus uh, better, if they had understood uh, the mission of Christ in a, in, in a greater extent. Uh, according to Mark, in this situation here, as they approached Jerusalem, Jesus told the disciples of his uh, approaching death and burial and resurrection, the disciples trembled. That's what, that's what the Greek says, that they, they actually shook like, um, you know, because it was just, it was something that was so hard to bear. Death to Jesus, who, was, who had raised the dead? Burial. Well, I, I thought he was to ascend a throne, not to descend to Sheol. Resurrection. Well, but they didn't hear that word. They, there's something about us that stops, that stops short of celebrating the triumph and the very, the very end goal of all that Jesus experienced. Uh, you know, I, I visited friends in, in Florida today, and almost every room in their house has a crucifix. That, that, that is a cross with, with the Lord Jesus hanging. It's the same mentality. Hey, let's, uh, we're very, very happy that the Lord atoned for our sins. But let's get on with what else he says here that he will be raised. This, of course, is the very gospel, and this, is a, this, of course, is great news. And yet, the disciples trembled at the gospel. Redemption, reconciliation, peace with God by the blood of that lamb that was slain on our behalf. This is cause for celebration. Will you take up your cross then? Will you be comforted by the Lord's words in time of trial? Will you follow the Lord Jesus? Not, not blindly saying, well, I don't see any danger. Uh, a wise person that recognizes the age in which they live. 
but they also do the right thing. And courage is not the absence of fear, but courage takes action in the face of fear. Well, this will take the grace of our Lord, but we must resolve. We must resolve, we must pray that we not enter into temptation, but as our shorter catechism says, that when we are tempted, that we hold our ground, that we persevere in it, and that we not shame the name of the Lord. And if we do, then we quickly confess our sins and we repent and return to follow the way of the Lord. That is what God calls us, faithfulness, and to follow Jesus in the time of great trial. Now remember also, and nothing has changed. Uh, when, when trouble is upon us, we say, oh, I remember the good days. But this plan for Jesus to go forward and be the Redeemer, this was set in eternity. His sufferings were all mapped out and planned and agreed to by God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is an unchangeable degree, degree, decree. And so is it unchangeable that those who follow the Jesus and, and, and anticipate the cross will also enter into his trials, enter, his, enter into his sufferings, and enter into his glory, his triumphs. The resurrection life is ours in Christ by receiving Christ. And in receiving Christ, by union with him in baptism, we actually die with Christ at the cross. We actually are buried with Christ, and we are actually spiritually raised with Christ to newness of life. And we ascend with Christ and are seated with him and heavenly places. For that, you can review Ephesians chapter 1. But this is God's eternal plan. It will not be changed. God will not change anything by way of our prayers and our hopes other than what he has decreed from eternity. And so when you are shaken by trials and shaken at the prospect of persecution, misunderstanding, humiliation, shame, remember that this is not a strange thing that all who follow the Lord Jesus will be persecuted and that all who follow him will be shunned by the world, misunderstood, marginalized, and ultimately condemned. But we will be justified. We will be taken into eternal dwelling places. For God has loved us and he set his love upon us from the foundation of the world in Christ. So we are to always rejoice. Rejoice always, says Philippians 4 and verse 4. And now you know why. Because whatever happens, there's nothing new. God knows his business, and so does the Lord Jesus. Jesus' disciples have faithfully followed Jesus in time of great danger. And finally, the scriptures prophesied this. This is why I say there's nothing here that's changed the scriptures prophesied Jesus' humiliation and, and, and anticipated his death. The, the old prophecies of the, of the Old Testament, they looked to his humiliation of Messiah, of, uh, of Messiah Christ, his death and his resurrection. There are just so many scriptures. I'll just, I'll just be brief in, in mentioning a few of them. But as regards to his humiliation, uh, we see in Psalm 2 that although the Lord has set his son upon his holy hill, and he would exalt his son. Yet the nations are aligned against him and are, are against his holy one and against Messiah and saying, let us tear their feathers apart. 
I just said, like, I don't, we don't want to be abandoned. We don't want to be under the influence or the leadership of this one that the Lord has set to rule over all. It's their rebellion, but it's Messiah's humiliation, even as he would rule. Again, Jesus is king here in the Gospels, and he demonstrates it over and over by dismissing demons and all manner of, uh, of uh, physical, physical laws and, and nature. He commands nature, he commands spirits, he commands everything. He, he commands it because he himself is the king. In Psalm 22, it speaks of his extreme humiliation. We just sang it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far, far from uh, the words of my mouth or my deliverance. I cry to you by night and you don't answer. And by, and by day. His suffering uh, was very, very accurately predicted from the from the 8th century B.C. Isaiah deals with this in his 53rd chapter. And I'll just read a portion of that. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before us, its shears is silent, he so did not open his mouth. Humiliation, suffering, death, but resurrection was anticipated as well. Hosea 6.2, after two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. And so goes all the elect of God in every age. By union in Christ, we experience all that our head has experienced in terms of his sufferings there and his expiation and his ascension. My friends, this is, this is the very heart of the gospel. And I'll repeat the gospel as, as Paul has it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I, I, I deliver to you, Corinthians, as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, says Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. Jesus understood all Scripture, all of the revelation of the scriptures, and he knew his mission from the beginning. No surprise. This calls for great praise. If the Queen of Sheba had praise for Solomon and being able to explain every question that she threw at him, how much more should we delight in the Son of God who understood all things whatsoever that were revealed in scriptures? And not just the easy things, 
but the most difficult things of all concerning his own mission. Concerning and his own mind and his divine and his divinity, the remembrance of that eternal covenant of redemption that would be fulfilled in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit in Jesus, the God-man. And you can thank him for that. You can thank God for his unchanging omniscience, his un unchanging goodness, and his strength to carry all these things out to fulfillment. Because if Jesus was able to fulfill all this that the God had covenanted with him, he will surely bring the rest that has not yet been enjoyed by us to fruition, life everlasting, acquittal in the great day of judgment, a final resurrection from the dead, bodily resurrection from the dead, life and peace with God evermore in the new heavens and a new earth, righteousness to reign in our hearts, love to God, his friendship, friendship with Jesus, friendship with one another, all nations, all the redeemed of the Lord to be gathered. That is the fulfillment, the fullness, the fullness of what Jesus has in mind. But if had he not taken up the cross, had he not set his face as flint to Jerusalem, as a, as a bird goes forth flying into a snare. It would all be in vain. That's our Lord. The teaching then. Jesus understood that he would suffer and die at the hands of evil men, according to the scriptures. But Jesus also knew that he would rise again from the dead, according to the scriptures. But we, we Christians who are Jesus' disciples... We must understand this gospel and not only tremble, but receive comfort and rejoice. Now, my friends, praise the Lord Jesus for his courage. Praise him for his faithfulness. If you lack comfort, if you lack assurance, look at what Jesus did for you. Could he, could he have done any more? We only have one life. And that life could not be lived more perfectly than than obeying, obeying God the Father to the fullest. And in so doing, he, he fulfilled every term of a covenant of peace that would be to his glory and to your benefit forever. And just as sure as that covenant is firm, so is your destiny in Christ. And you can take great comfort in that. You can rejoice. And you need to be learning how to rejoice because evil days may be upon us. Remember then God's eternal plan when you're shaken and rejoice always. Now when Jesus takes up the cross, he means to draw you into his life. And we Protestants, of course, get this doctrine right that he was a, a sacrificial lamb and he atoned as a substitute. But we mustn't ever, ever forget that by union in Christ, we also enter into his trials and to his sufferings, not, as, not, to, not to expiate sin, not to atone for sin at all. No, we, we have Christ to do that for us, and we can't die in anybody else's place to forgive their sins or to cleanse them in any sense at all. But as yoke fellows, as identifying with him, 
We die with him, we live with him, we suffer with him, and we receive grace to follow him. And my friends, that is not something that we take lightly, nor are we ashamed, for it is a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing to acknowledge his life in us and our life in him. And that's what he calls, calls us to. That's the gospel. The gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus, and you and your household will be saved, as we saw in the baptism. The gospel reveals the glory of God in Christ as Savior, as King, and the nature of his kingdom, and the fullness of that kingdom life, which is going to come in the future, but it begins today in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a foretaste, an earnest of the eternal life of the new heavens and the new earth. Just an appetizer, just to make us comfortable in our walk with Christ and hopeful as his church. Believe this gospel. He died, he was buried, he was raised, and he's ascended now. And he is your glorious shepherd king by faith. And all things will be yours. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for such a king, Messiah. We thank you for the nature of the kingdom, most pure, most holy, most righteous, good ordinances, an ordered people, a people with eternity set in their hearts and love by commandments written not upon rock, but upon human hearts of flesh, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We pray now, Lord, as we have seen this passage, that it would abide with us, that the seed would germinate, that it would bear. Upward growth would leaf out, would flower seed and produce fruit. We pray, Lord, that you would get the glory. For had Jesus not taken up his cross, even this meeting would not have taken place. And so we thank you and we praise you in Christ. Through Christ we pray, amen. Let's now prepare an offering.
praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise them all creatures here below. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, Lord, receive this gift from the hands of your worshipers. Receive it, Lord, as an act of faith and an act of worship. We pray that by your blessing it will be sufficient to cover all needs and expenses of this church, but more than that, Lord, that we might be charitable to neighbors, to friends, to one another uh, with gifts to the needy, and that we would have sufficient, Lord, for the mission of the church and your gospel, the gospel of our of our victorious Christ uh, be published and announced and pronounced to all lands. Bless us mightily through Jesus. Amen. Our last hymn is Comfort, Comfort Ye My People 197.